But I just felt really uh, pressed in my heart to share with you, with my mum. Like, she's a good lady. Um, <laughs> but I've just seen in the last year or so a new lease of life in here, to be honest. Um, and then she was up here today, you know, like Joe goes, oh, your mum's on fire today. I was like, yeah. What's <laughs> gotten into that woman? No. <laughs> but do you know what she does? She, she lives out that adventure that she just was talking about with Jesus. And she says from the age of 15, and, you know, I've uh, been a Christian pretty much, well, I'd say my whole life, in terms of a believer in God, there was a certain time that I made that decision to follow Jesus myself where I um, heard the gospel message um, actually through a, a video. Um, sorry. The Cross on the Switchblade. And um, a church was showing it at Howard Springs Primary School and at the end they said, does anyone want to follow Jesus? And I was like, yeah, that would be me. <laughs> few other kids um you know and since that day just continued on with that life of faith and it's so true it's an adventure <laughs> some of it good some of it bad um, but overall we know that Jesus holds us in his arms you know and we're safe with him we can trust him when we actually submit our lives to him he's not a cruel person he's kind and he has the best interest of us at heart and so I look at mum and I'm like well you know and what I mean by a new lease of life she's always been sort of active in things but do you know you look at her she's you know she does she leads a bible study during the week for people she does um does that she's helping out in kids church now um she'll go in and lead a group of kids in whatever they do there she obviously, she's doing the communion message. Um, she's always been helpful around the place. And I just look at that and I'm like, <laughs> we need to have that heart, don't we? You know, there's some younger people here that don't do nothing for Jesus. They haven't even started on that adventure. And that last song we sang just really spoke to me about that. And I was like, I've got to step out in faith, Jesus. You know, you've called me to the waters. Sometimes it's not easy, and even for myself sitting there this morning, I'm like, God, help me get back to that place of faith, of stepping in to your promises. Help me get back to believing that you can do something amazing. <laughs> Sorry, guys. With my life. Help me not to draw back. God said it very plainly. He said, my soul has no delight in those who draw back, who remove themselves from my service, who stop stepping out in faith. And, and honestly, that connection into God, into his presence, you know, that, that can, we can only step out on the waters when we're connected with Christ, where we have made a deep connection with him and we have chosen to love and follow him. It's so powerful. And, and I, I think of 
you know, that, that verse about what we talked about last week and we, we talked about the youth and how, you know, there was seven kids baptised and that's the fruit of a labour. But Alison the week before said, how will they hear the message if no one goes, if no one tells them the message of Jesus Christ? Yet so often our lips are silent. So often we don't serve Christ at all, let alone with our whole heart. And, and for us as Christians, as a church, there's this power in submitting to the will of Jesus Christ and following after him and living our life for him and labouring hard for him on earth. We, um, we, we, we were looking at, well, over the last whatever, <laughs> months at our, our connect group, which um, Matt and Beck uh, Mills lead. It's about life together and this whole push towards we are one, we're, we're here together, we're, we're to do it together, we're not separate, we're together, was coming through and, and, and that we need to learn how to love better. And I was like, what other group of people sits around the table and says... Hey guys, how can we love others better? Do your friends at work sit around the table, talk about that stuff? The blokes at the footy club after training sit down having a beer. Guys, I'm just wondering how we can love each other better. (laughs) It doesn't happen, but there's something significant and brilliant about Jesus Christ who leads us into that love and, and connects us together in a purpose to live and love for him. It's incredible the opportunity that we have to actually grow into people that are Christ-like, that, that, that love people well, that can grow in faith, that can push out and that can walk on water. And I don't mean that literally. Give it a go if you want, but make sure there's rescue around by Jesus walking next to you and pulling you up like Peter had. But I feel like God is actually saying, tell people to step out. You look at your life now and you think, I can't do it. But you know God's calling you to something and you hold back. It's true that uh, Peter never walked on the water until he hopped out of that boat. But he was following Jesus' voice. He wasn't hopping out like a fool and jumping into something crazy. He heard the voice of Jesus step out. Step out of that boat. He heard that voice. He listened to that voice. He followed that voice. And Jesus met him there. (laughs) And when it looked like he was going to fail, Jesus picked him up. He lifted him back out. And I honestly feel like God is just saying to you and me, step out a little. Just step out a little. And I I just, you know, the ocean song really got me today. You know, (laughs) trust without borders. Where do I trust you, God? Have I put a boundary around trust? I said, I'll trust you this much. And and those words, that line of that song says, (laughs) no, take away those borders. I'm going to just trust you with everything. Anyway, guys, for the offering, if you could hop up, I just wanted to share something quickly before we we take up the offering.
again from our connect group. <laughs> we, we were we were looking at worshiping together on Wednesday night, and um, the message came across about your tithing, your giving to God. That it's undesignated, and that's why it's so special. Um, the Bible actually says the first tenth of everything belongs to the Lord and it's holy to him, that it's undesignated. We're not saying this is what I'm giving to, I'm giving to this, I'm giving to that. And he said, make sure you bring that tithe into the storehouse. For us as Christians, that we have to regard what he's given us and the bit that we put aside for him as holy, undesignated, we bring it in. And that's a good thing because it just shows we're saying, God, this is yours. I'm not going to put boundaries on that. I'm not going to put conditions on that. But I'm giving because I'm honouring you. And this is holy to you. Father, I just want to thank you for today. I thank you for the weather that we've got. I thank you for the joy that you bring us. And I thank you for the adventure ahead, for those who push into you. Lord, take us beyond today, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay. I started a, a series on fam family last week. Um, sorry, I got a funny thought in my head. I'll, I'll share it with you. We were driving home last night. And uh, we think that there is a squashed turtle on the road. That's horrible, right? Squashed tortoise. But in my head I was like, slow and steady doesn't always win the race. <laughs> and I was sort of imagining a hare on the other side of the road, looking back, going, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, dear. Anyway, what we want to talk about is relationships within families. Um, and I just talked about last week how that God's got this ideal for family, what it should look like. And for those of us who might not have a family or a very functioning family here, to remember that this is your family, you know, that actually those relationships still apply within this context as well. Yes, there is a different depth or, well, sometimes there's not, but there should be a different depth in your own family where you're feeling secure, warm, safe and all those sorts of things. And the attitude that we should have towards one another in that, which is what I really wanted to talk about today, is more that attitude of what, what attitude we should have towards one another. And I was thinking about how uh, we... When you actually look in the Bible, there's not a whole lot that says specific... There's not books on, you know, how to have a good marriage within the Bible. You understand what I mean? As in, like, if you went to the bookshop today, the Christian bookshop, you could probably find, you know, 20 shelves of, you know, how to have a good marriage, different ways. And I want to look at one of those next week, I think. Or maybe I'll look at how we parent next week, excuse me. Um, but I wanted to look at cherishing one another as a husband and wife, which again applies to everybody. Um, but in the Bible, there's not really lots of specific stuff. You know, I mean, there's a few things. Why is that? You ever wondered that? 
Why isn't there lots and lots of stuff? Because I'm having trouble in my marriage and, you know, with my, my wife, my husband, whatever it might be. Um, and I'm just, like, struggling a bit here. God, where's the book on marriage within the Bible? Why isn't there the book of marriage? You know, marriage 5.17 says whatever. But the thing is with God, it's about the relationships we have with one another that are lived out how? Through Christ and how we should conduct our lives according to his word, right? Would that not be true? And one of the problems is that we often segregate our family into this different sphere of living our Christian life. You know what I mean? It's like, so we'll, we'll be, we might read, you know, be patient with one another, be kind to one another. And so we take these verses that aren't directly related to marriage and we're like, oh, you've got to be kind to everyone. You know, we've got to be patient with everyone. And, and so we live out this sort of dual Christian life sometimes where it's like, with everyone else who's a Christian, I'm going to be kind and considerate because that's what we're meant to do to one another. But somehow our family, we don't understand that we are still Christians together. We are still joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We should be living out the same way within our family. So we'll, we'll take, you know, be patient with everyone and we're patient with everyone but not our wife. Be kind to everyone. So we're kind to everyone but not our wife. Be helpful, you know, for everyone. Be, be helpful to everyone but within our family there's this sort of different attitude that sometimes comes across as though, you know, I will actually sacrifice myself for everybody else but my family doesn't really get that same attention. Has that ever happened in your life? I certainly know it's happened in my life and, and you can really imagine like with ministry that's one of those calls, you know, it's like, can you help me? Yeah, no worries, um, maybe even to this point where it's like, oh man, my marriage, it's, I'm struggling with my marriage, can you come over tonight? We need to talk about it. And you've got a date night at home and there's this expectation that you give up your family, let's lay them on the altar so I can help you. Now, there are times when we do that under the grace of God, but, but often we don't really see our wife, our children, as fellow heirs of Jesus Christ. Would you think that's true? Maybe it's not in your case. But I certainly know that at times I've, I wouldn't say struggled with that, but there's times where that's been challenged in my life. Why am I doing so much or living out my Christian life so strongly with people I don't live with that aren't in my immediate household and at the same time act differently towards them. And you could think, like, with your kids, when they see you acting one way towards all the other Christians and then differently to them and differently to their mum or differently to their dad in the house, that's when questions start to come about faith. Well, wait a minute. You're a hypocrite. You're not actually living a Christian life within this house. You're saying you're a Christian. I see you relating to every other Christian in a Christian way. You're just a big fat fake. You don't live for Jesus in the house. You get home from work, you tell mum off. You talk about dad with all your friends. 
and put him down all the time. You, you, maybe as a kid, you're not obedient to your parents, but you obey other adults. And you're not living out a Christian life. Maybe you treat other people's kids better than your own in some ways. You know, you, you, you pressurise and, you know, want your kids to almost be your slave and you treat them better. We can't afford to be like that in family, all right? And I just wanted to look really at this submitting to one another. And like in church, often if you hear the word submit, straight away it goes, yeah, the wife needs to submit to the husband and lots of blokes there who's prick up when that verse comes up. But the context of that verse, it's in Ephesians 5, if you want to go and read through it, is talking about the mutual submission first, which is the only thing I'm looking at today. I'll just mention the other, that, you know, yes, of course, for the wife this means submit to your husband. Respect him. For the husband, this means love your wife as Christ loved the church, gave his life for the church. That the decisions you make as a husband, it's not what's best for me, it's what's best for her. What's best for my family? What's best for us, actually? Submitted to one another in that. Children submitting to their parents and, and parents also having this, this submission, not servanthood of their children. But where there's this submitted heart and that word submitting meaning humbling of yourself. No relationship works when you do not humble yourself and begin to think about the other person. And it's no different within your family. But it's something that we can often neglect because our family has to be there. They have to be there. It's like this relationship where we take it for granted, to be honest. We take for granted our, our wives and husbands. We take for granted our kids. We take for granted our parents, not understanding that they too are joint heirs with Jesus Christ and so we should be looking after one another. So I think my first, first lot of verses is in Matthew 20, I think. Uh, yeah. Was Philippians first on there? We can go back to it if we want, yeah. So this attitude that we have you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So when we start to think about our relationships within families, this is what we've got to be considering, Right? The attitude that Christ had. Now, you might feel that you're entitled to stuff in a family. You might feel that you have divine privileges in a family, but we need to look at Jesus Christ. And what did he do? It says he gave up his divine privileges and took a humble position. For families, this means that we need to understand that, that we are equal in the sight of God. We are all heirs of Jesus Christ, or with Jesus Christ. We are all the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. In fact, when you get married to a woman, your father-in-law is God. When you get married to a man, your father-in-law is 
God. And I would, I've thought about this one day and I was thinking, what would it be like if I stood before my father-in-law and he asked me this question? Neil, how are you treating my daughter? (laughs) That's a pretty big thought to have, isn't it? How are you treating my daughter? And what if my wife, Joanne, is standing before God and, and he goes to her, Joe, how are you treating my son? Doesn't that cast a little bit of extra weight on things? To say, you know what, what we have in our relationships is from God. It's, the Bible says that a good wife, when you find a good wife, it's a good thing. That your wife is a gift from the Lord. It also says your children are a gift from the, from the Lord. And your parents, oh, bad luck, they just had you. <laughs> no. They're also a gift, some, something that God gave you to help guide you through life. They're, they're not strangers. There's, they're people that love you and honestly would give their life for you most of the time. For most people, that is true. So the first thing is in our families, we need to have this mindset. A humble mindset. And I think it's borne out very strongly in the fact that when Jesus said the two become one, it's like, actually, wait a minute. Wife, you cannot act as an individual in your marriage. And, I, and, and to me, that's probably why it's like, you know, wives, you have to respect your husband. Why? Because there's this tendency that we just want to do our own thing. doesn't matter what you think. I'm doing it anyway sometimes. And I think for husbands, it's very, very... Uh, pertinent because we don't think very carefully about the feelings of other people sometimes. And our wife is often on the lowest list and we're called to actually understand our wife or live with understanding, the Bible says. What, what's she like? What makes her tick? What does she love? What does she hate? What does she laugh at? What does she eat? What does she like to do, what is it about my wife that I need to sacrifice my life for? And so when we think about that humbling, it's like, yeah, we've got to humble ourselves in obedience. Husbands, you have to humble yourself and understand that your life is not your own anymore. You've been joined to your wife and the Bible says very clearly, if you love your wife, you love yourself. How strongly... Are you going to allow that to happen in your life? So let's look at our next verse. Because we're talking about even, you know, that that same thing in humility. Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, what is that verse saying? That, that actually our calling as Christians is to, if you want to be the greatest, be the least. If you want to be the most honoured, be the least. Serve others. Be, be that person that, that is always looking about the other person's interest, about their dreams, about what is good for them. 
And it's a cause that we are called to. Everybody as a Christian is called to this. To live in servanthood to one another. To make sure that, that when we think about our families, that we're not there for our benefit. Our kids are not for our benefit. Our wife's not for our benefit. Our husband's not for our benefit. But we are there to benefit one another. To live together in this amazing sacrificial servanthood for one another giving up things for one another. And so let's look at Ephesians 5 verse 21 because we're not going to look at the other verses here. Like I said, go and read them yourself because this is what that is all built on. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Within a family, the submission is out of reverence for Christ. With your other Christian brothers and sisters, it's out of reverence for Christ. And submission itself is called for us as Christians in so many different areas. We're, we're called to submit to God. We're called to submit to the authorities. We're called to submit to those in leadership in the church. We're called to submit to the older people if we're younger. We're called to submit to our boss. And every Christian is actually called to submit to one another. What does that really mean? It means you give, the word is deference, but it's like we consider them, we consider them. We don't think that we're better, we don't think that we're greater, we don't think we deserve more, but, but when someone is given authority or, or anything like that, that we're to pay the proper due respect to that. And stop trying to be the boss in every area of life. And you'll see it everywhere. Of course, we're not called to submit to wrong thinking or wrong actions or sin or anything that's against God. It's not talking about that. But can you imagine, like, what would Jesus be like? And, and when anyone's called to any authority, even in marriage, as a, as a husband is called the head of head of the family the headship that we follow is that of Jesus Christ what was his headship he gave up his life for the church in fact if we're thinking about headship like that the leadership is this we should be out in front of our families as husbands leading them in sacrificial service that's true headship How will that affect my life if I decide that I'm going to live in submission in my family? Now, it doesn't mean that you just do whatever your kids want. You don't submit to your kids like that. You have an authority over them. You've got to grow them up so that at some stage you're not frustrating them anymore by keeping laws and legal things on them so that they can become these people that live for Jesus Christ all by themselves. But the decisions that we make are like, how will this affect my family? Will it be good for us? Consideration of one another. Imagine what it would look like in a family. How would it look like? It basically would boil down to this, asking this question, what can I do to help? 
Now imagine that. Imagine like Jesus coming home, he had a family, he didn't, we get that. But what if he was a husband, how would he come home? Would he come home, where's my dinner? Would he come home and say, why didn't you do this, why didn't you do that? Or would he come home and say this, do you think? How can I help? What do you need today? Do you want me to look after the kids for a while? Do you want me to help you cook dinner? Do you want me to make you a coffee? Or the wife asking the husband, what can I do to help? Now, most husbands will probably say, oh, if you get that question, you're probably like, I don't know. (laughs) I'll do it myself. What about if you're a kid, if if you said that to your parents? Oh, my gosh, they would probably fall over. Seriously. (laughs) Bound in. Hey, mum and dad, what can I do to help? First of all, they probably won't tell you to do anything because they're just like, what? (laughs) In shock. But if you want to get some real good points, kids, do that when they've got visitors over. (laughs) Bound in. Mum and dad, I just want to know, what can I do to help? How can I help this family today? You know what's going to happen? The visitors are going to go, oh my gosh, you need to teach us. (laughs) What have you done? What have you done? But this is what is the heart of servanthood, isn't it? What can I do to help? How can I use what talents I have, what abilities I have, what resources I have, what wisdom I have, what what manpower I have, what can I actually do to help that will help you grow in Jesus Christ, but also just strengthen you? How can I help? What if a parent said that to a kid? (laughs) We're so used to bossing them around, right? As parents, do we boss our kids around? Or do they boss us around, whatever, which way it is nowadays, I'm not sure. But we're so used to these things, but what if we actually genuinely came up to our kid? Hey, how can I help you? I don't know. It's so humbling, isn't it, when you actually get someone ask you that. And no doubt, if you've been asked that before, sometimes you're just like, it's like your mind gets sort of a bit short-circuited. You're like, I don't know. (laughs) But it's a question that we need to be asking as families. If we want good family relationships, we need servanthood. We need to ask one another, what can I do to help? This is actually the way it works. How can I help you? And imagine this, if every member of your family was doing that, that they were actually strengthening one another daily. What can I do to help? How can I help you? How can I strengthen this family? How strong would your family be? But we are taught very clearly that individual living is the way to go, that I'm looking out for my own interests. That as long as I'm all right and everyone else is serving me, that's okay. But God has called us to a different way of living and he's called us to that way of living in our families as well. And this is why Ephesians 5.21 is so important to us in family relationships. And it's what overarches all those relationships below it. Wife and husband. Husband and kids. Kids and parents. 
What is threatened when we live this life? What is threatened? Your individuality. And starting to think of the way of how I can become me. The Bible is clearly teaching us that we are members of one another as the body of Christ. As a family, we are also members of one another. And the question not, should not be, how can I become me? It should be, how can I become us? How can we make this family strong? How can we make this church family strong? What is it that I can do? Let me bring up those questions there. actually quite powerful I think what can I do for you how can I serve you Father I just want to thank you for your goodness Lord we are in a world that teaches us to live for ourselves, but Father that's not going to be healthy It's not going to bring strong families. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would touch our hearts this morning. Lord God, help us to understand more clearly who you are and who you've called us to be. To live in this family of servants, serving one another in love. In Jesus' name. Now, this morning, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. One of the verses that we read today said that he gave up everything to come and die a criminal's death on the cross. That death was for us. For every human being, Jesus came and died so that we could be forgiven of our sins, restored into relationship with God and live the right way. Perhaps this morning you've never received Jesus into your life or you've never believed in him. You need him today. You need your sins forgiven. You need to have a clean slate. That's what uh, my mum was talking about in communion. When you receive Christ, you become a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are new. I'm just going to pray if that's you this morning and you know you need Jesus in your life, you just pray with me and ask him in. Father God, I'm so sorry that I haven't loved you. I'm sorry I've just lived my life for me. I want to pray this morning that you just forgive me of my sin. I thank you for Jesus, that he died for me on that cross. From this day on, I want to live for you. I just want to step out this morning and take my step of faith to invite you into my life from this day on to live for you.
in Jesus' name.